eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, everybody, I'm back and I'm here with Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. Happy days for Manchester City after Chelsea and Liverpool cancel each other out in a Stamford Bridge. Barnstormer Getafe injects some life back into La Liga's title race with a win over Real Madrid. And the new year transfer window opens with some intriguing US MNT related business. And I'm going to get into that. It's so happy to be here. And like I said, we have Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad, my American cheesecake slices, the Kegolasso weekend recap. The first one of 2022 begins right now. Hey, everybody, welcome to Kegolasso. Thank you so much for being part of the family. Happy Happy New Year, Feliz Año Nuevo. I'm so happy to be here. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you so much. Leave a comment, leave a question. We're here to answer them. Oh, of course, always do it throughout the entire show. And some of you that are listening to this on podcast form, that's very nice. Please make sure that you leave a rating and review. You can do it in Spotify now as well with five stars. We're so close to 6,000 subscribers on uh, 7,000. What am I thinking? 7,000, not six, 7,000 on YouTube. Thank you so much. And here we go with some weekend recap. Goodness, Heath Pierce, what's up, man? I'm doing all right. How you doing, baby? <laughs> I'm good. I'm so happy that you're here. Jimmy C, you had a hat on. Happy New Year hat on. Where is it? It's, it doesn't fit with my headphones on at the same time. <laughs> Plus, I think I have a head that's like the shape of a pumpkin. So there's a lot to <laughs> unpack here. But I will say that I'm excited to get into this. We have a lot to discuss, everybody. Absolutely. And I just want to say thank you to uh, Jimmy and Heath for manning over, taking over uh, some of the episodes when I was away. And also, don't forget USMNT Hour on Monday as well. And it's going to be an interesting January as well because there's a lot of USMNT action, of course. But we can recap the first one of 2022. Don't worry, everybody. We're going to talk about Liverpool, Chelsea. We'll get there. It was amazing. <laughs> we will talk about it. But I do want to begin with the game that just uh, finished, which is Barcelona. One, Mallorca, nothing. Barcelona, by the way, absolutely plagued, plagued with COVID injury suspensions. 17 players unavailable due to all those things. Uh, they couldn't register Ferran Torres in time, of course. I mean, it's just a typical Barcelona week, of course. But 17-year-old Elias makes his first team debut. Luke de Jong scores. Barcelona won and Mallorca nothing. Jimmy C., what do you think of that? Barcelona, they started the year with so many issues, but they got that win. I mean, it always puts a smile on my face when Luke de Jong, who's like the Marwan Fellaini of Barcelona, or when Fellaini was at Manchester United. <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. But the guy almost scored a sick bicycle, by the way, prior to him scoring 
his goal. And obviously with Madrid losing to Hatafe, that allows them to gain some points on their biggest rivals. Atleti got a big win as well. So fair play to Hatafe for, for giving us a little bit of intrigue in La Liga. But for Barcelona's sake, I actually feel like even though they were missing some players, they still had a good sense of their core in the back. I mean, Guiza was out there, Araujo, uh, PK, De Jong still out there kind of holding it down as the pivot in midfield. So not completely decimated, but I don't think they tried to be anything that they weren't. And I feel like this version of Barcelona at times tries to play like they used to play, and they just don't have the players to do that. And this this one, they came out, they, they knew what they needed to do, scrape and scrap they got the players to go out there and do that and they got a good and well-deserved goal and all three points yeah the only thing i'd add to that is that you know final 15 20 minutes barcelona again look really vulnerable and i think that's been the story <laughs> of the season for them is they were strong at first they came out you know weren't creating a lot of chances which is what we see constantly and then as the game goes on they get a little bit better and like you said jimmy they have a number of players that don't seem to be too foreign to some of the players that they have now uh, some of the young players coming into the team or the squad and how depleted this roster is. But to see at the end there, them just hanging on for hope against the Mallorca side who are really really built like a, like a second division team that are going to just be surviving for, for large portions of matches. It seemed like they were a little bit vulnerable. I mean, I get it. You know, you're playing against Barcelona. You're playing against a depleted Barcelona. But at the end, uh, they looked vulnerable and they could have given up. Uh, an equalizer late on. But to be able to hold on to some points, there's got to be some value in there. You mentioned, Jimmy, them getting closer to their uh, heated rivals. I don't really see the value of the three <laughs> points getting them any closer to anything of value within the, the context of the league itself. But overall, I think something that you could still build on. There's still moments you could take. I was trying to throw Barcelona a bone to Barcelona Jimmy, fans. You, I, I know, but this like... This is it. They got to hope to beat Mallorca away yeah, from home. It's, it's, I know. I, I get that. That that I get as a, <laughs> as a result. But the idea of them getting closer to somehow Real Madrid uh, is is just a little bit of a stretch at this point in the season. Maybe we'll look sure. back at this as a turning okay. point Maybe. of an otherwise average performance. But uh, you know, I, th- I still think they have a long ways to go. I think you know uh, Real Madrid giving up points, uh, giving up all three points this weekend. It doesn't really change things. It feels a little bit quiet still as if the, the title race is still in their hands. When I was seven years old, I was terrible at math growing up. When I was seven years old, uh, my dad was like, look, just pass this test. I got a B plus. That, that was enough for him. Just get, I mean, it's not a Barcelona B plus. A B plus? That's great. That's I know. a good, I mean, geez, that would have gotten you awards in my family. I think, I'm, I think I'm lying. I think it was a C minus or something. But anyway, the point is my dad said, just pass. I don't care about anything else. And I feel that that's, Barcelona right now. Just get the victory. We'll figure it out in a second. Though, to Jimmy's point, you know, uh, Xavi and the philosophy of Barcelona, he might want something else as the game, as the season goes forward. But, and we will get to La Liga later on, but this means that Barcelona are fifth, by the way, you know, which is definitely better than what it was a few months ago, regardless of all the injuries, etc. But we will talk about La Liga later on, everybody. I promise. We now go to, my goodness, what a game at Stamford Bridge. A great advertisement for the Premier League as Chelsea come back from behind. 2-0 down to make it 2-0. Mohamed Salah with a great goal. Sadio Mane opened it up. Christian Pulisic, who was actually... Really bad at the beginning. Scored a beautiful goal as well. How about Kovacic? What a finish from that one. 2-0 in that game. Such a great, great, great victory. Heath Pierce uh, for everybody in the Premier League. Not a victory on the pitch, but I guess Man City's the biggest winner here. Yeah, Man City won this weekend, obviously, for sure, in the way that obviously splitting points between Chelsea and Liverpool. I think to start with, uh, Christian Pulisic had a a couple of big, clear chances that I think he should have finished. I think there's some... 
people out there that are rightfully being critical of, of him as a player. You see flashes of him. You see moments of actual world-class capabilities. But those are the things. If you look on the other side with Mane, with the chance he gets alone with the goalkeeper, he finds a way to have that killer instinct, a longer touch, a bigger touch, the way he strikes the ball on frame to be able to put it away. Of course, Pulisic scores a, an incredible goal in itself. But the difference between Pulisic scoring one out of the three chances that he has is uh, is the difference between him being a, a good or great player at Chelsea and him being a world-class player with that killer instinct of saying, hey, if you're going to give me something, I'm going to run away with it. And then overall, from a performance standpoint, I thought Chelsea left some points on the table for this one. Liverpool, I thought, squeaked out uh, moments of brilliance and mistakes from the Chelsea side again. But, you know, all in all, within this, I think both teams are able to look at this. We could talk about the Mane potential red card. We could talk about the Mason Mount potential red card and things that could have changed the game. But with 11 players on the field, I think both teams are going to wish that they would have been able to take three points going into this AFCON as well as knowing that that uh, City stole points in the last moments against Arsenal this weekend. Yeah, I'll go back before we get into Man City uh, heading to the Emirates to to steal points from, from Arsenal. What I'll say with regard to Pulisic and your comparison with him and Sadio Mane. Sadio Mane misses chances all the time and he's missed a couple of vital sitters. So in defense of Pulisic, I do want to say that there are other world-class players out there that do miss sitters from time to time. However, he could have played a little bit better at the beginning of the game. I'm glad he didn't put his head down and get inside. But Jimmy, of his head but Jimmy real quick, we, we aren't yeah, waiting sure. for Mane to become a world-class player, though. Like Mane is delivering at a scale that though he misses chances, no, that's fair. And that's fair. he can be frustrating at times. Pulisic is one that we're looking for to be okay. You've taken the next step. Can you now be this one that's a sure starter every time on your club? You know, Mane's a sure starter sure. at 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 uh, at Liverpool for the for his contributions. Whereas Pulisic, I'm one where I'm like, okay, does he have that killer instinct to when he gets a half chance or a full chance like that? All right, no problem, goal. Because I I feel like that's a sign of a, of a world class player. Sorry to jump. No, back no, in it's on fine. That, I, I, I I do agree I, with you. I guess my though. one counter to that would be maybe they should put him in his best spot, game in and game out, and see how that works out for him instead of moving him around. Uh, that's me being super defensive oh, of Christian Pulisic. Louise. By the what way, what else are you going to say, Jimmy, to back him up? <laughs> but but I like the fact that he just got on with the game. He missed the chance. Things were going well for him to to start with, and he ended up scoring world-class goal of his own. It was yeah. probably had the most dangerous opportunity in the second half as well. And I saw some quotes from Thomas Tuchel after the game saying, yeah, that was good from Christian Pulisic, but I've seen more from him and I expect more. So to your point, Heath Pierce, you and Thomas Tuchel are on the same page. And I'm more like Christian Pulisic's agent at this point <laughs> going, he did more than enough. He scored his goal. He had blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So what other, what other USMNT players <laughs> exactly. playing at this level? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was worth the transfer fee. Don't get me wrong. We're selling tons of jerseys over here in the States. So, so with regard to Chelsea, anyway, no, let me think about the game overall. Yes, please. Was, because this isn't the USMNT. I know. Hour, I know boys. that's for tomorrow. <laughs> that, that, that was the, that first 45 minutes was probably the best advertisement for the Premier League that I've seen all season. It was so good. It was end to end. It felt like a basketball game where, or an NBA game in particular, maybe an NBA all-star game where nobody's playing any defense. And it's just chance after chance after chance. I think 25 were created overall combined between both teams, six shots on goal for each. The second half was a little bit more muted, not that big of a surprise, but that first half was fantastic. And we throw in Romelu Lukaku not being involved and Tuchel, I think correctly saying, we're not going to make this about you right now. I know you probably want to play out of this situation and prove to everybody that you're still here. You're still with the team, you're still with the fans, but we're going to set that aside for now and make this about everybody else and about the game of football itself. So uh, it was fantastic. And, and the fact that Kovacic, the way that he scored that goal, he's backpedaling and somehow 
I don't even know how he did it, but what a goal. And that really gave that spark that I think Chelsea needed and deserved, frankly. I thought a 2-2 result was the fair, fair result at the end of the day. Yep, a few things to keep talking about this game. First of all, thank you so much, everybody who's watching. Leave a comment or question as well. We're already seeing some. Uh, Hong Zhou, Ilyas, all our regular watchers, thank you so much for being part of the live chat. Uh, send in your comments, of course. Uh, and, and here's one for you. I wanted to stick on the Lukaku uh, situation left out of the squad. Uh, if you're watching, and leave a comment. Uh, was Tuchel right? And keeping him out, what, what do you make of the Lukaku situation? It's never been a solitary situation in football, but this is a big one. Uh, clearly uh, a massive statement from Tuchel to your point, to both your points. You know, this is about the culture of Chelsea and they're trying to instill something. The club will always be the biggest thing, no matter what, regardless of who you are. But were you surprised, uh, anybody watching, if it, that Lukaku was left out? Did Tuchel make the right call or a mistake? Let us know, of course. But uh, it wasn't just him, by the way, everybody. Uh, Alison, Matip, Firmino ruled out. They were ruled out with COVID. Uh, of course, as well. There was also an incident discussing Sadio Mane's uh, elbow. Should he have been sent off for that one? What do you think of that? But let's uh, the, the, here. Here's the one question I have for you, because and it goes back to the beginning. Chelsea now 43 points, second place. Liverpool third, 42. Man City 53 points here. Jimmy, is the league title over? Yes, I know that I am very long winded at times. I'm going to say yes. The Premier League is over. Full stop. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead and take it, Heath. You got it. Yeah. No, I, 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 I was yeah. nice and sweet, Jimmy Conrad. I like it. I, I don't see a way that, and again, we, we talk about this every year, but I don't see a way that, that, that they give up this many points knowing that they're going into this window where every team is depleted, whether with COVID, whether with uh, African Cup of Nations and those types of things. So I think uh, title race is over. That's my short answer as well. A little longer than Jimmy's, but short. Yeah, 10 <laughs> points ahead of uh, of Chelsea. But let's go into that game, uh, by the way, in a few comments. Uh, Terrence, thank you. Right call by Tuchel. I agree. Uh, but there's the table. Man City 53, Chelsea 43, Liverpool 42. Arsenal 35. Let's go into that game. Arsenal against Man City. A pretty good game. I believe there are, you know, Arsenal fans ended uh, the, the game by saying 2-1 to the referee. Obviously, uh yeah. Some questionable calls once again. Heath, Arsenal fan, how do you feel about that loss? Because there's, first of all, there's no shame ever, right, in losing 2-1 to Man City. But do you think Arsenal did enough to deserve at least a point? I think they were a little hard done in this game. I think uh, City were pretty lackluster for large periods of the match. I think, again, when you look at Arsenal needing to beat these big teams, that was the day to be able to do it. I think, again, they lacked a little bit of that killer instinct. When I look at Martinelli, I look at him in the same regard as I, I think of a Pulisic where he had three, four clear chances. Those could have been the difference, wasn't able to counter or capitalize on them. But when you look at his performance overall, you're like, wow, you know, what a world of a performance. But then you would have hoped that you could add a couple goals to that uh, in the way that he performed. Wasn't, wasn't able to be clinical. When I think about Odegaard, Saka, and Lacazette, again, top performances from them. But City showed exactly why it is that they're willing to do what it takes to win a championship. And when we talk about the title race being over, they left it late. They weren't on the same page. There wasn't much of a rhythm. It wasn't one of their better games. In fact, I think it was one of their worst games of the season, but they were still able to go up against a Arsenal side that are in top form right now and get a full result. And so, you know, overall, it's, it's tough, to, tough to argue what Manchester City are doing, but it did seem like 
for large periods, Arsenal were very good and they were put they were on the front foot from the very start, bar a few chances, half chances from 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 Man City. The best five minutes I've seen of Arsenal this season, the first half, I thought. Yeah, and, and by the way, this was you know, Jimmy talked about the the two two for for Liverpool Chelsea being the most exciting game. This was also a really exciting game. Again, for for Man City standards, it wasn't great, but when you looked at the game overall, it had some a lot of good combination play, attacking play, breaking down lines, tactically very, very sound. The speed of play was very good. So overall, an entertaining match. And I just, you know, perhaps one or two things different, uh, you know, uh, Arsenal could have gotten something out of this. Yeah, I agree with with both of you with regard to Arsenal's performance. What I think is the most impressive is the fact that they were on the front foot against an opponent that they got their asses slapped by 5-0 earlier in the season, and it wasn't even close. They weren't close in a lot of different ways. But now when you watch this game, the mistakes that Arsenal made, for me, are easily correctable. And this might be the best that I've seen a Mikel Arteta team play over 90 minutes. That mm. They were in the game. They were up against one of the best clubs in the world. We're not just talking about England or Europe. We're talking about the world. And, and this Man City team, Pep has got them pretty healthy, all things considered. They've dodged a lot of the COVID stuff uh, or anything big so far. So, you know, I think that's going to help them ultimately win this title as well, is who's going to be the smartest during this COVID run. And obviously he's cracking down on the Grealishes and Foden's out there. But 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 they still found a way to win, which is, I think, an important piece, as he said, about becoming champions. But as it pertains to, to Arsenal, when you think about the Xhaka pulling the jersey, yeah, okay, maybe a soft penalty to some. But, you know, uh, VAR had an absolute nightmare in the Premier League uh, this weekend. Bigger conversation. But but then it's just those little plays. Gabrielle getting the two yellows. like. Those are you can correct those, but when you're getting outplayed because your team doesn't have ideas, or or you you lack team shape, or your one one set of your lines is dropping off, the other one's trying to press. Those are harder to solve because you have to get a lot more people on the same page, and they look like they're all on the same page now. They all look like they're buying in, and without Aubameyang, obviously, who's who that situation, I I assume will get a resolve this month in some capacity. They're better without Aubameyang, and now they got to figure out how to move forward without him actually getting to play. Maybe they can get some cheddar for him. I'm going all over the place with my my assessment here. But I was just really impressed. And I think there's so much to take away from this game that I feel like the future is really bright for Arsenal. And long may continue, because as much as I give Arsenal fans a hard time, they deserve a little bit of good stuff coming their way. No, absolutely. Well, two questions pertaining to that game, by the way. Uh, the first one to everybody, as I asked the boys, is the title race over? Have Man City got this wrapped? Let us know. That's 11 straight wins for Man City, 17 games left to go. And my second question, actually, which I haven't asked the boys, which I will right now, beginning with Jimmy, is uh, do you think Arsenal will hold on to that Champions League spot? Oh, God, that's a great question. I, I do think that they're getting closer to the teams that they struggle with. And why I think Arsenal do have an outside chance is because Ralph Rangnick came in. Obviously, he's trying to instill his own philosophy with Manchester United. Does he have the right players to play the 4-2-2-2-2? Some games it looks okay, or some moments in some games it looks okay, and other times they don't necessarily look like they've grasped it. Is CR7 the guy moving forward? So there's a lot there. Tottenham now hanging around. You know, I don't know. It, it, what I love about West Arsenal, Ham, yeah. West Ham, what I love about Arsenal, though, out of the other competitors for that fourth spot, is that they're consistently good against the teams in the mid-table and lower. And the other teams seem to struggle at times. So I really appreciate what Arteta's done, at least over the last couple months, of getting those results, getting those points that we should demonstrate that we're better than. They've just been struggling with the teams above them. And I think they're getting a little bit closer because that game against City uh, was very, very good. I will say, though, that City was coming in off less rest and Arsenal did have a little bit more time to prepare and it showed. I thought City looked tired in this particular game. But that's that's on Arsenal to go out there and try to make the game. And they did it for most of it, but uh, just did, did themselves in, shot themselves in the foot. 
Yeah, I mean, the only other thing I would say to that is, is, is I agree with you, Jimmy. Whoever's going to take more points from the top four, I think, are going to be in that fourth place finish or the top three, so to speak. You know, Spurs, again, leaving it late for a 96th-minute winner. But they're in great form. There's a confidence in them, and, and there, is a start to, there is a start to this whole create-your-own-luck thing where even in the 96th minute, you're able to squeak out a goal. And then West Ham, again, they're only going to go as far as, as Antonio uh, scores their goals. And so the more that he can stay involved, but I think it's just going to come down to, can you take points from those top three teams? Uh, Arsenal had that opportunity. They had a chance to at least get a point out of this game. And they, again, leaving it late and giving up the full three points, I think is a little bit uh, creating their own downfall. And again, a five minute period of chaos where they lose a player on the field and, and your, your, your veterans, it's not even your young players that are letting you down. It's your, it's your older players with Gabriel and, and then Jaka, who is notorious for letting the team down in, in big moments. You can cut those out, maybe, but the other teams are, are also starting to clean up as well. So it's gonna be a it's gonna be a really tight race to see who takes that fourth spot. Yeah, I actually think uh, the other way around in a way. I think that uh, that fourth spot is determinant on uh, how these teams can get the best out of the teams that they should be beating, right? You know, the games that they should be winning. But we will see. There was a question there from Michael. I want to ask boy uh, these two about it. Uh, who is closer? to the Champions League title, Chelsea or Man City. So we're going to do this fun. All right, ready? Heath, Jimmy, at the same time, I'm going to go three, two, one. You're just going to tell me the club. Chelsea or Man City, who is closer to winning the Champions League title? Again, it would be for Chelsea for the first time, Man City. Who is closer to winning the Champions League title? Is it Chelsea or Man City? Three, two, one. Man, Man City. City. <laughs> I was about to be the third person that said the same thing. It's a pretty easy question. <laughs> it's, tough, it's tough with the Glukaku situation because, when again, when I look at the match today, I'm like, yeah, it wasn't the right thing to leave him out. Of course it is. The locker room was first. Is it well, let's go there, Heath. Tell to me about this Lukaku situation. What do you make of it, seriously? Because, honestly, like, okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate, okay, for a second. I, I agree. I think Thomas Tuchel did the right thing in a way. He's trying to set a president, et cetera, et cetera. But – let, let, let me just completely play the devil's advocate here. Both of you jump. Heath, you first. It, is it really what he said that awful? He said he wants to get some more playing time. He's not getting his minutes. Uh, he feels that he might need to fight for a spot. Is it that atrocious? I mean, it wasn't so long ago that a certain Harry Kane literally uh, said essentially the same thing. Not only that, he said he wanted to leave the club. And everybody's commended him for being so heroic about it. Heath, it, yeah. what do you think about the Lukaku situation? Yeah, I think, again, there's the timing and the noise of it, which I think was created by the media, which led to there being a little bit of a forest fire. Uh, and the best thing to do is just put it out. And I think that was the right thing to do in this situation. They're obviously set to have a meeting, which was put out by by Tim Howard on, on a conversation with Lukaku, saying we could speak after the meeting mm. uh, about, about the future of things. Uh, you know, Thomas Tuchel was very open about it, where this isn't the first time he's experienced that. He, he doesn't take it personal. He doesn't see this as an attack on him. And so I think it was just one of these moments where you needed to take a stand to say, hey, this is about the team. We have an upcoming match. We put this off to the side and we can bring this up again uh, the next day. Now, when I look at the second half of the match and I think about what Lukaku could do in a match like that against Liverpool, knowing how he can occupy space far better than I think a Kai Havertz could or, or any of that movement in and around the box. That's what I would love to see him thrive off the bench of saying, hey, we're going to bench him. Let's see how he responds to this. But, but ultimately chose to just put it to the side, knowing that this is a busy time of year. I, I respect the way in which he's handling it. It'll be interesting to see how this meeting goes because it almost feels like uh, perhaps there's a little bit of a request for an exit or, or, a, or a talk about the future, which seems in, insane to me. Yeah, strategic actually, maybe, yeah. a strategic it, interview, yeah. Yeah, if, if, that, if that is actually the case that they're talking about the future, his future with the club uh, beyond Monday – 
But it, it, for the short, in the short term, it seemed like the right thing to do for Tuchel to, 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 to eliminate that distraction, and we'll see how it's responding from there. Yeah, Tuchel came out and said that he talked to five or six or seven of the main players within the team. So you look at the Azpilicuetas, you look at the Rudigers, you look at the older older guys, right? The guys that have been around, Tiago Silva's seen some things, have dealt with some pretty big personalities, I'm sure, at some point in their careers. Maybe Zlatans of the world, you know, Tiago Silva in particular. So... And, and then you work with, with Lukaku, you understand, okay, wh- what do we want out of this situation? If we do bench him, he's just going to get, he'd be sitting there. And if he's in the 18, he's going to get heckled by the fans. It's just going to be, that's probably not what's best for Romelu Lukaku. It's better to keep him and protect him. Now, also in, in Tuchel's quotes, he said that he's trying to protect the player. He just wants to understand more about where it was coming from. He wants to, why he did it, because they didn't approve the interview. Chelsea didn't know he was doing that interview. Hmm. And so there are all these little things that are piling up that I just think maybe, and to Tuchel's point, I love, as, as he said, he doesn't take it personal. He, he just, something came up and Romelu said something at, at, at a time that showed some vulnerability, that he's upset that he's not necessarily being the guy or, or not getting partnered with in a way that he was at Inter. And it's just not working out. If he's not scoring goals, going through a bad run, as every striker does, then, of course, your frustrations are going to come out in different ways where maybe things felt a little bit easier at Inter or, or that they were set up. Or maybe Antonio Conte was, was babying him in a way that Tuchel's not, right? And there's a lot of that that happens. Heath and I both know that, you know, under Bruce Serena, that you got handled by him in some ways. Then Bob Bradley came in, and he's completely different in terms of how he mm. handles different personalities. And so Tuchel looks like a pretty tough bastard who doesn't put up with a lot. Antonio Conte feels the same, at least on the outside, but I bet he's a softy inside. So it's hard to know. And, and I think they handled this perfectly. I wonder, though, because that second goal that Chelsea scored, that Pulisic scored, he comes out of that false nine area. And I actually feel like if Lukaku had been there and had been, he'd just be sitting between the two center depth backs, uh, you know, Van Dyke and, and just Konate, like right there. Would that same run have been open? I don't know, because I feel like if you do play the false nine, there's a lot of communication that has to happen between the center backs as to who has who and when. And I'm just throwing that out there. Obviously, it was a great, great sequence from Chelsea in a lot of different ways. But but I wonder, I don't know. I just saw somebody put it out there on the internet about would Chelsea have won this with Lukaku in the team? And I mean, it's it tough. Me because... Yeah, the game is fluid. You can't... Uh, I know, I'm just yeah. saying. I it's a little, The reason it's a little difficult to is because Konate did show a little vulnerability, and if Lukaku had been right up against him, he would have given him an absolute nightmare. So you That's can't true. really say one or the other. But by the way, here's your call to action. Did Thomas Tuchel make the right call? Why? For yes and for no. Hey, by the way, do you think that when Tim Howard and Romelu were like texting... Romelu just literally sent two emojis, like the <laughs> and the like the nervous emoji face. Like he could, and, so, and Tim was just like, "This is basically what he told me on Monday. Yeah. It's going to happen." But it will be interesting to see. I would love to see that text. Uh, just what it's, it, just a, it's a sweating emoji. He's like, "Yeah, he's ner- he told me he's nervous." <laughs> the vomit uh, emoji. Oh, I'm gonna yeah. be sick, bro. This is this is bad. This is bad. Hey, before we take a break, everybody, let's wrap up the Premier League. Uh, just uh, the other remaining. Matches that happened, by the way, Des, I know I may have put you on the spot in terms of fixtures, but I do have them here as well to read them out. Obviously, Tottenham winning late against uh, Watford West Ham against Crystal Palace. That was a fun game. Uh, Brentford beating Aston Villa 2-1. Leeds United 3-1 against Burnley. Everton and Brighton. Brighton winning 3-2 in that one. And Man United Wolves play tomorrow. Anything uh, to take away from the weekend? 
uh, the first one of the year, 2022, before uh, we move on there, Jimmy Conrad. Yeah, just to get back to a good advertisement for the Premier League, I thought Crystal Palace West Ham was excellent from start to finish. I think when we look at the Chelsea-Liverpool game, maybe the first 60 minutes was an amazing advertisement or advert, as they like to say. But I thought Crystal Palace West Ham was a fantastic game, and I really feel like it shows the quality that does exist in the middle of the table. No disrespect to West Ham uh, or Crystal Palace fans. I think West Ham won't finish there. I think they'll probably finish in the top six. But uh, Mikel Antonio scoring again, obviously, as he said before, uh, is a big deal for West Ham, and obviously we'll move the needle for them. And then Lanzini scored maybe one of the goals of the season. Oh, my God. That what goal a goal. Beautiful. <laughs> that goal. Go find the highlights and go watch Lanzini's oh, first goal. Was it was beautiful. ridiculous. Can you imagine if Benteke had scored that overhead kick too? It oh, my God. It's it it an unbelievable cracking affair, as I like to say. It's cracking. Such a great Heath? <laughs> That's as Jimmy likes to say, cracking affair. <laughs> I like that. I like that, Jimmy. Uh, uh, I, I would say, yeah, again, Crystal Palace was an unbelievable one. Um, Palace... I continue to say that if I had a chance to start all over again and go back and pick a Premier League team, this would be the team that I pick. I love the way they play, the style that they play. They weren't at their best in this one, but it's just an overall really, really good game. And it's going to be sad to see what Crystal Palace... Crystal Palace have left so many points on the table so far this season that it's kind of sad. And now they're going to lose a number of players to African Cup of Nations, as, a number, as many people do, but I'm following them a little bit closely, uh, more closely. And then Leeds, by the way, uh, again, Rafinha had a, a number of uh, huge chances that he missed today, but Leeds overall kind of looked like the Leeds of last year, high-flying, mm. you know, where it just paid off. It hasn't paid off much uh, this season for them in, in terms of being fully vulnerable and wide open, like they're just in full throttle all the time. This one it did, and it was pretty fun to watch. So one of those ones, if you get a chance to go back and watch the highlights for anybody that's uh, watching our show right now, go ahead and do that. Yeah, take it with a pinch of salt, though, because it was Burnley, and I do feel that this will be the season when Burnley goes down. I really feel that this is it. This is it for them. It's just, it's too much. But to your point, yes, Leeds, very good Jack Harrison with that opener as well to make it that win for Marcelo. Yes, but that's it from the Premier League. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will have a lot more, including La Liga, uh, USMNT chatter as well, and some other fun stuff. And hopefully, if you keep sending those questions, we will have the answers. Kigo Lasso Weekend Recap. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. We are here. Weekend Recap 2022. I can't be, it's, It takes really long to say 2022, by the way. 2022. In Spanish as well. It's too much. But hey, it's a new year, everybody. Welcome here with Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. Let's talk La Liga. We already talked about Barcelona with uh, three points against Mallorca. But let's keep talking here because, I mean, here I was before uh, the new year, by the way, uh, Heath Pierce, uh, Real Madrid. I thought, well, this is it. They're done. 
they're going to win it again. And then they lose one nothing to Getafe. Obviously, there were issues with Los Blancos, with uh, some absentees. Of course, Vinicius Jr. getting COVID. Why'd you go to Miami, Vinicius Jr.? What are you doing, bro? You know that because it's going to happen to you. So, uh, obviously, Real Madrid eh, begin the year with a loss to Getafe. Unbelievable. Madrid's 15-game unbeaten streak comes to an end. Thoughts, Heath Pierce? Yeah, first of all, I mean, there was only two places that Vinicius was going to go. That's either Miami or Orlando. Those are the only two spots. So I didn't. I don't like his odds either way in terms of where he's going right now and probably what he's getting up to, Disney World or or Disney World nightclubs in Miami. But yeah, yeah. You know, overall, when I look at this, you know, the, the, the only thing that stands out to me is Sevilla playing uh, tomorrow. I think they play against uh, Cadiz. Mm-hmm. Um, they have two games in hand. You guys like the way they pronounce the, the team. Uh, I'm very cultured like that, but they got two games. <laughs> they got two games in hand in this one, but that's the only one that I, when I just look at pure numbers alone, right? Letico Madrid. I mean, look at just the red lights next to them. able to obviously bounce back and get a rare win and a clean sheet, which I think is really important, but overall for Real Madrid, just a little bit of a hiccup and not one that I'm truly worried about. It was a pretty poor match. It's rare that they don't score a number of goals. Obviously the thing that I'm concerned about long-term for Real Madrid is the fact that Benzema has to carry this team as much as he does. And you can't expect Benzema at his age. Every time Benzema scores or he has a brace, we say, wow, world player of the year, or he should be in the conversation for Ballon d'Or and blah, blah, blah. And you expect him to do it every single week. But you can't expect him to do it every single week. And when a team has goes through these rotations and, and has, again, a, a little bit of a depleted roster, you wonder who's going to pick up the slack on that, Hazard or Asensio or whatever. And when they don't, they're left with nobody who can really score goals in this team if they don't have their best 11 out on the field. And so it's a little bit concerning long-term, but they seem to have been able to figure out most of the year, at least relying heavily on Kareem Benzema to just play out of his mind. But, you know, this is a little bit of a loss. If the, if the table was a little bit closer together, I'd have some concerns. But for now, it just seems like, hey, eventually they're going to lose this one. They're probably going to bounce back with a win. Yeah, it's good points there, Heath. I would say that it really showed that Vinicius Jr. wasn't on the field because when Benzema is maybe not fired on all cylinders... Or maybe they get the key on him a little bit more when Vinicius isn't out there because Asensio, Hazard, Rodrigo just aren't maybe as dangerous as they need to be to open up that space for Benzema to do what he likes to do. But Vinicius has stepped up and taken on that responsibility and made them a little bit more unpredictable in the attack. I know Carlo Ancelotti said after the game that it seemed like his players were still on holiday, that they hadn't got that out of their legs yet and their mentality wasn't right. Militao gave up a pretty weak goal. He should do a lot better there. He tries to hold off a player. Player gets around him. And walks it in. But after that, maybe a couple minutes after that, there's a mix-up between Alaba and Courtois. And they could have scored again, Hatafe. They didn't take advantage of that one. That said, despite this team being on holiday, they had 74% possession. Majic hit the post. Uh, Casemiro, the goalkeeper, uh, David Soria for, for Hatafe was fantastic. Maybe his game of the season. So that's what makes me a little bit nervous for everybody else in La Liga. In, in an off game for Real Madrid, they were still very, very close to getting something out of this and, and potentially winning the game. It's just that luck didn't break their way. And maybe because, to Ancelotti's point, they just weren't putting themselves in good positions to take advantage of that luck. And they ran into a hot goalkeeper. So, yes, ultimately, that's a really long way of me saying that I agree with Heath Pierce and I'm not worried about Madrid. So for all you Madridistas out there, you should feel pretty comfortable that you're in still in cruise control for winning the La Liga title. Jimmy, back to you, and then Heath add, but are you worried about Aiden Hazard? I mean, what's happened to him? I mean, he started, but then he got be- – I mean, it's 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 kind of worrying, isn't it? It is. He just never seems like or never has felt like he's fit 
into the system. Uh, you know, before I thought maybe it's because he, he used to worship Zidane when he was a kid and maybe having him as a manager is like, you know, don't get to know your heroes or whatever. Maybe, I don't know what it was, but he couldn't get fit, obviously. He wasn't taking care of himself in a great way. Then when he did get on the field, you see flashes, but very, very brief flashes. And he never really got going and got that momentum or that trust from all the other players that he could be the guy. And that's kind of that. He's in that purgatory right now. They're kind of like, man, he's not going to pan out anymore. And they're ready to look on and look past him. So now what do you do? I know. I think Chelsea would take him back if it was the price is right. Mm. But but uh, if I'm Newcastle, I wouldn't mind throwing a flyer on 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 not Pulisic. Well, him too, but on Eden Hazard. I, I listen. I, Newcastle. I'll take anybody at this point to help you know bolster our squad in January. But but he's an interesting one, and I bet you Madrid would be interested in getting him off the books, especially with Mbappe and potentially Erling Haaland coming in, based on some things that I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I look at I look at Coutinho the same way as I look at Hazard. Yeah, I think these great, players great they just they go they go into these clubs and they come out as they come into the clubs as one of the best players in the world, and you just wonder what happens to them. Gareth Bale, same thing. They come into the club, and obviously injuries play a big role in this and the mental side of it. And then you're playing at a huge club under immense pressure, and it seems like mix of an injury plus the pressure loses a little bit of that joy where they they came from a situation and. Jimmy, you know what this is like when you get your first big injury or one, it kind of lingers in your head. You hope it goes away. If it comes back, it kind of never goes away again. And I wonder how much of that is just the quality of life and all of these things um, all, all tying together. But if the club has no plans for him, it's really hard for you to ever prove yourself uh, in a way that that's going to be impactful. So I think, you know, you, it's, it's time for him to go. Do you remember after they lost to Chelsea in the Champions League last year and Eden Hazard got a bunch of grief from Madrid fans because he was after the game after Madrid had lost he was laughing with his former Chelsea teammates yeah, right after and and that makes me think that that little microcosm makes me think he doesn't really have a lot of friends in Madrid or on the team and and he misses the friends that he has maybe there's a bit of loneliness that's happening off the field yeah. where he doesn't at least Gareth Bale had golf you know that's, and, and, well, that's, and, that's listen, true. and I'll tell you about Gareth Bale like to Des's point as well a producer who just said as well I mean Gareth Bale won to La Liga titles, he won the Champions League. He's a winner. He's done stuff. Yeah, he's got the clutch sheet. He's got yeah, the clutch yeah. sheet. But overall, in terms of what you pay for him, you probably wanted a little bit more out of him. No, he, <laughs> I think we have short memories. He started well at his club career with Real Madrid. It's just it got a little bit. Eden Hazard has four years ago. Yes, but Heath, my point is Eden Hazard hasn't oh, yeah. done anything from oh, the yeah, beginning. I agree. Yeah, I yeah. agree. And, and Eden Hazard went into it as, again, just like Bale, one of the top players in the world, if not the best attacking player in the world on the dribble. Uh, and to not see any flashes of that consistently is kind of kind of uh, disappointing. And one that I think we, we look at this Real Madrid squad, and, and it's already tainted the way in which I look at Hazard. When I see them building the roster, I see a starting lineup. I don't look at Hazard the way that I did when I see him on a team sheet when he was at Chelsea. And you go, oh, man, he's mm. going to destroy whoever's on the other side. I go, oh, man, who's injured today? That's putting Hazard into the starting position. Yeah. By the way, Gareth Bale's Spanish? Awful. Terrible. <laughs> he's never learned. He didn't it. even try. He didn't yeah, even yeah. try. But there you have it. All right, well, some remaining uh, fixtures, by the way, in La Liga. And uh, to another point brought up by our producer, by the way, Sevilla, you mentioned them, Heath Beers, but they have two games in hand. So, you know, <laughs> sorry, there's no assess. Gareth Bell's English isn't much better. <laughs> just an Irish joke on a Welsh. That's just mean, mean. But hey, Sevilla has two games in hand. So if, if they win that, by the way, they'll be a little bit closer to Los Blancos. They could pull within two points of Real Madrid. But there were some other fixtures as well. Atleti, they won. That's good, huh? 
And uh, who else? Uh, Celta Vigo beat Real Betis, which is a big deal for Real Betis and their own uh, hopes. Any final takes, uh, Jimmy Conrad, from La Liga from this weekend? Yeah, must-win game for Atletico coming out of their own break against uh, Red Hot Rayo Vallecano. And it was cool to see Falcao get a standing ovation from mm -hmm. everybody because his former club was Atleti at the Wanda Metropolitano. So that was very cool. And it was cool to see a 4-4-2 from Diego Simeone getting a clean sheet, as he said before. Luis, maybe you said it before. It was really important for Atleti in particular to kind of get, get it right on that side of things. They haven't been mm -hmm. that sharp. Trippier came back into the team. I think it showed. I think they were just better balanced today, even though they were missing a few players due to COVID. They just had a little bit more of that. They weren't so one-sided. And and with Suarez and Correa up top, anytime Correa, remember when Correa started the season with like five goals in his first four games? Yeah. And, then, and then Correa's, they're like, ah, well, you're going to sit on the bench. We got Griezmann, <laughs> you know? We got we, we got Cunha. We got Joao Felix, you know? And, and like Correa scored goals and you put him back in. He's got a brace today. I like Angel Correa a lot. I hope he continues to get a lot of minutes. And they just seemed like they were better better fit. No Koke today, too. And I thought Kondogbia was very good. So that's a situation to keep in, keep in mind or keep an eye on. But uh, good performance from Atleti. Hopefully it uh, continues. Yeah, my only other, other point is that I look at the Real Batiste game uh, losing to Celta Vigo as, as a big swing moment for them. They've now lost two in a row. I, I look back at the early December win against Barcelona. Granted, this is a Barcelona that we don't really recognize anymore. And I thought, okay, this might have some <laughs> legs in terms of their ability to stay in the top three. I think they're still third in the league right now. But when I look overall, you know, two, two losses in a row, first to Athletic Club uh, Bilbao, and then this one seems like perhaps they're they're just hitting a little bit of a wall right now, and you and hopefully they can bounce back with a good result soon and and be able to keep pace with with the rest of the league. But if they continue that form and they run three four games without a win, I could see them falling back down to mid table pretty quickly, and which will allow more spots to open up. And when you're talking about Champions League spots, you know we just two weeks ago we were saying would uh, would Barcelona make it into the Champions League and. And there's some of these smaller teams. I don't want to call them smaller teams out of disrespect, but smaller teams compared to Barcelona, maybe just handing away points or opening up those spots without them having to get the results. Yeah, well, the race to the Champions League uh, in La Liga is tight, by the way, because Real Betis, as you mentioned, third with 33 points, Atleti with 32, Barcelona 31, and then you got Rayo Vallecano and Real Sociedad with 30 points. So, like, it's a nice little tight race there as well. And one, just one little point on that Celta Vigo win, against Real Betis. Yago Aspas, one of the most likable players out there, scores a brace. He had a real nice touch of class there when uh, he scored a penalty uh, against uh, goalkeeper Rui Silva, whose father died last week. And Yago Aspas, instead of celebrating, went to hug him. You know, it's just, uh, it just shows you the kind of person that Yago Aspas is. Um, all right, let's move on here. Oh, here's an interesting thing. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Mondays are USMNT our episodes, uh, Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce, always with the goodness. And this is a great month, by the way, obviously, with uh, USMNT Canada. they got some guests coming up as well. Should be super fun. But a lot of uh, news happened as well, by the way. USMNT players on the move, Heath Pierce. Let's begin with Daryl DK to West Brom. A permanent deal, by the way. Nine and a half million uh, for his services. Uh, what do you make of that? Yeah, there was a lot of rumors uh, in the last minutes leading up to it, whether it would be a loan deal with an option to buy. I thought, again, this seems a little bit problematic to me in terms of uh, his 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 uh, ability to prove himself in a short window 
and and then uh, which would then warrant himself a transfer or an opportunity moving forward. It's good to see a permanent move for him. Obviously, when I look at the when I look at the championship table, the where West Brom sit right now is they're very good defensively, 19 goals against, but offensively they're 10 goals behind anybody that's ahead of them within the league right now. And that's where I think they see their ability if they can just make up those goals. They've got a real shot of going to the Premier League. They're sitting on it. Uh, see, uh, what is it? 31 goals for. You got 51 goals for at Fulham. You got 43 at Blackburn and Bournemouth at 41. So they're really lacking in that goal scoring category. So they're making a huge bet and a huge gamble on somebody during a crunch time in the season where they obviously have a ton of games to go that I'm really excited to see him be able to prove himself there and hopefully get a shot at the Premier League. Yeah, I was just going to jump in and say that they are struggling to score goals. They haven't scored more than two in a game since October 23rd. And that's a long time ago. And then when they got two goals in the game, it was over Coventry away from home. And the second goal they scored was actually an own goal. So technically, they they haven't actually scored two goals in the game. So, yes, Daryl DK, I think, is going to be someone that can they can rely on. I say this a lot, you know, provide some unpredictability, I think, up top. He started off red hot with Barnsley because I don't think people were too familiar with him. And as they did get a little bit more familiar he started to slow down a little bit, which I think is only going to add to his game as he has to think a little bit more about how am I going to have success? How I don't necessarily have to get that much space to get a shot off. I can, I only needs like that, that little half second to make it happen. So this is all good news. I think it's a good, it's a win-win for everybody. Orlando gets a nice transfer fee that they can reinvest into the team. West Brom gets a proper striker who has for me, unlimited potential. I'm a big fan of Daryl DK and, and for the player himself, he makes, he gets to make a move to a team that's in the championship that isn't mid-table or at the bottom. Like, they have a legitimate chance of getting promoted to the Premier League, and that is awesome. So it's a big win for everybody, and I hope it goes well for everybody as well. Yeah, his partnership with Callum Robinson should be a good one. By the way, this is a reunion back again with uh, Valeria and Ismael, who managed Barnsley, and obviously they know each other. But to your point about goals there, Heath, it's the long ball game for West Brom at this moment. They need to be <laughs> a little bit more dynamic. But hey, it wasn't just Daryl DK that stole the headlines. Our very own Fabrizio... Romano with another bomb. Amazing. Ricardo Pepe, a friend of the show. He has uh, Heath Pierce's uh, PS4 game controllers. <laughs> he goes to the Bundesliga, or at least, you know, he's on his way. Fab reporting a $20 million fee. That's a record, by the way, for FC Dallas as well. More on this uh, on tomorrow's USMNT hour. But Pepe to the Bundesliga, Augsburg. I mean, they're flirting with relegation, but they play some nice stuff. They beat Bayern Munich last November. Uh, as well there. Jimmy, Ricardo Pepe, Augsburg, Bundesliga. What say you? Yeah, I think another one. This is a great stepping stone for him to potentially see what Europe's all about. I think Bundesliga is a nice place for a lot of our American-based players to, uh, I don't know, let's see, uh, you know, scratch the surface of what's what they're capable of. Develop their trade. Yes, okay. Yeah. That, that That's probably a better way to describe it than where I was uh, stumbling. <laughs> but um, I like it. I like that he's probably going to start right away. I like that they're going to use him right away. When we were looking at uh, the other teams, Wolfsburg in particular, it just seemed like, man, they already have Valt Veghorst. They already have a guy that's like what Ricardo Pepe can bring into it. So I like him going into this team where he could be inserted right away. He's going to get some really valuable minutes. Obviously, he's going to learn all about adversity since they are flirting with the relegation zone right now. And because of that immediacy, it's probably why they were leaning towards wanting to go to that club as opposed to maybe another Bundesliga club because it'll get him minutes, he'll get to play, and hopefully he'll get to shine. And and uh, we don't want him to sit on the bench. We don't want any of our players that are in the national team player pool on the bench. And obviously, we'll get into this a little bit more tomorrow on the U.S. Men's National Team Hour. But I'm, I'm again, I'm a big fan. 
And I love that Augsburg, who don't really go out there and splash the cash, are taking a chance on a young American. That really pumps me up, and I hope it works out well for him. Yeah, the only thing I'd add is this, you know, again, it might sound a little bit uh, hypocritical to say that this is a good move for him compared to a Wolfsburg who are not in the form that we're in. But Wolfsburg are a big club going through a mm-hmm, bad mm-hmm. period. And I think that's a dangerous game for him to play versus Augsburg where they're going to splash the cash, record transfer fee. He's obviously going to get his games and it's going to go game after game after game. Now, I'm still nervous compared to the game, the teams that he was linked with where I'd love to see him play. But looking at a World Cup year, I'm like, hey, this guy could get a run of 20 games in the back half of the season or whatever it is, 18 games uh, in, in the, or 17 games, I guess it would be with the, with the 18 game, uh, 18 team season. It doesn't matter, but yeah, I think he can get a good run of games, uh, in, in that latter half of the season, get a run of form, hopefully score some goals, keep the team in the premier league. And you can see that as a stepping stone. Now, stepping stones are really dangerous because that club's not known for being a developmental club of sending players or funneling them through, but he is a goal scorer. You don't really have to be a developmental club to be a goal scorer and get your move on. If you score goals, the next team will come calling for you. First, it'll be the Dortmunds of the world, and and then it'll be the bigger clubs. And so he, he does have an opportunity there. I just hope they play a style of play that puts him in good positions. But we'll get more into that later on. But overall, I think this is a much better move than what Wolfsburg is, but certainly not what I what what I would have hoped to have happened uh, during this long transfer saga for, for Ricardo Pepe. Yeah, I'll never forget what uh, when I talked once a few years ago to uh, Juan Carlos Osorio, who was then the manager of Mexico, apparently interviewing for LAFC. Maybe Heath Pierce can tell us later about that. But he said a very good thing. I asked him about, you know, what do you make of Mexicans, uh, Mexican players in Europe and stuff? Do they need to play in the best teams or at the very least, you know, a good team? And he said there are two fundamental factors for me when a player goes to Europe. Clearly, arguably the strongest area to play uh, the men's game. One is to be in a competitive team. You don't have to be in a Man City, a team that's fighting for something. So if that's West Brom in the championship, amazing. If that's Augsburg, even though they're flirting with relegation, they're playing and they're trying to play a system uh, that can elevate them in the Bundesliga. And then he said the second thing is make sure that you get your minutes. Because if you're just like a Josh Sargent and you're just sitting there, uh, maybe not right now, but if you're not getting as much experience on the pitch as you perhaps would like to, then it's really not going to be that much of a good experience. So, And that's exactly what Pepe's getting. He's 18, 18 years old, going to the Bundesliga. That's amazing. And for Daryl DK as well, uh, fantastic stuff. Any final thoughts before we, uh, we wrap this up on uh, anything really there? Jimmy Conrad. Well, I'll just jump in and say that I'm curious as to who's going to go with him. I, I've seen some stuff on the Instagram. I've heard of the Instagram uh, with, 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 uh, with Busio. You know, I see his, I see his family. Some of his family are there. I don't know if they're staying there with him, but they're around or they're traveling to go see him a lot. Yeah. It's important to be around people that can give you balance in your life. So you're not just thinking and eating the game 24 seven, even though I'm sure a lot of coaches would prefer that you do that. There still needs to be some element of, of comfort. And, and so that you can ease that transition. So I'm curious to see what happens. DK, a little bit older than Ricardo Pepe. So this is more with regard to Ricardo. But but I'm very excited for him and Daryl. And, and I hope they make the most of it. They're very talented players. And everybody has their haters out there. Even the, the best players in the world have their haters. But uh, hopefully these two guys go in there and prove them wrong. We have our haters, but we don't care. We're here. We're still rolling. <laughs> we, embrace, we embrace our haters. We embrace it. Bring it on. Heath fears any final thoughts from the USMNT perspective? Because we do have one more topic, actually. No, I mean, the main thing for me is just, again, not just USMNT, but Canada and mm. Costa Rica, Mexico. I'm just interested to see where a lot of these players land. Uh, in the window. So we're going to be, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things going on to sort of see what how these teams are shaping up and the player development shapes up over the next 12 months as we head into a World Cup. We're officially a year out. It's a World Cup year. So 
I'm excited to see kind of who rises because I still think across one of those countries, and I used to say it about the U.S., one of those countries, somebody's going to step up that we haven't seen yet that's going to be a shock or a surprise uh, in, in, in the region that's going to do well at the World Cup level um, and excited to see who it is, which teenager or young 20-year-old that we didn't know about is going to step up and become a star. Yeah, Steve doesn't want Buzio to go anywhere. He likes him where he's at. And John John says Sargent is a flop. Gets minutes, but still can't score. Man, John John, chill, bro. I mean, I agree, yeah. but chill. Man, um, that guy's New Year's resolution wasn't to be nicer to national team players. Huh? Be straight up. I like this double name, though. John John. I like that, John John. Um, By the way, Ricardo, I don't know about the Mexican food. Uh, in Germany. You're going to have to see where you can go there with uh, that. I'll tell you about the Mexican food. It's terrible. There okay. you go. Boom. See? There's so Rex and then there's German Mexican food, which is like <laughs> the, the furthest thing where it's like everything is uh, – like you would never – you will not find carne asada there or, oh. or al pastor. You're going to find ground beef uh in every form and it's going to come in a taco and ricardo is from, and ricardo's from texas so he's about to really feel uh the loss of uh, good mexican food as well all right listen one more thing you know messi got covid everybody uh obviously we wish him the best and the well and everything but jimmy i mean you know he was out partying a lot dancing with antonella doing his thing Lionel Messi, is it a big deal, do you think, uh, for PSG? It is, a big deal. it is. It is a big deal, Luis, because I thought he was a robot, and this just proves that robots can get COVID, and that kind of bums me out. I thought they were going to be free of that type of stuff. What <laughs> a robot. Heath? Yeah, another strong brand play from from Team Messi, who just released that uh, that flower on the network app, where it's like a flower uh, slash soccer ball, and yeah. and uh, this was another thing to be like, how can we be human? They're like, you're probably going to need to catch COVID at some point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, can you put talk. a soccer ball tattoo on your calf? We that thing we, that <laughs> yeah. would really help you out. Put a leg sleeve. People <laughs> yeah. will love that. It doesn't make any sense. I still can't believe that. Put a soccer ball. Ever. Don't do a leg sleeve. Put a soccer ball and make it look like the COVID virus. I think that that will definitely be. We wish you the best, you know, Messi. But uh, I think PSG will be fine. Definitely in league. Uh, anyway, uh, but that's it. Our weekend recap. Our first one of 2022 is done. Thank you so much for being part of the show. We're nearly to 7,000 subscribers. I told my producer uh, that this, that we're hoping, I think that we can get to 10,000 by the end of February. Prove me right. Will you go streaking? I will go streaking. Go streaking. We'll go <laughs> through through the back. <laughs> Final thoughts. Anything else? Did I miss anything? Because I'm about to watch Below Deck Marathon. Anything else, Jimmy Conrad? What do you say? No, I uh, don't really have much to add. It's been an incredible weekend of games, and obviously throwing in a New Year's and a New Year's Eve. That 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 was. Uh, Exciting. You know, I think everybody's ready for a new start, a new year. And if this gives them the. Oh, wait a minute. I have it. Do you do have it. resolutions? Because I wasn't here for that. Do you have resolutions at all? I think you asked it in the preview, Jimmy, but I'm asking both of you. Jimmy, you have any resolutions? I just want to be as handsome as Heath. That is my resolution. <laughs> that's impossible, Jimmy. Conrad, I know, but, you know, but I still. We can dream, LME. Yeah, we can that's dream. That's true. That's true. We could do it. Heath, what's your resolution? Honestly, this sounds crazy, but it's just to not catch COVID. I feel like everybody I know uh, across the world has gotten it. I don't know. I feel like this, like that sandstorm where I keep looking over my shoulder and it's getting closer to me and I'm just running with my family as fast as we can. 
uh and like the you rude know, sandstorm the kids, <laughs> yeah dragging the kids through <laughs> uh and so that's that's not really a resolution as much as it is just like a hope but uh yeah all, all the other stuff was really sappy you can go back and listen to the preview and it's just a lot of hugs and and like distance so socially distance hugs but like virtual hugs like uh, positivity and stuff you know what the hell i wasn't here for that that's so not all right well i'll, I'll pretend that i was there and I, I appreciate it but everybody should have at least one resolution no matter how dumb it is uh, and i want to hear it send it to us Pod on twitter we will be back so much to discuss this week beginning with some fabrizio romano content on monday and the usmnt hour and so much more jimmy conrad thank you so much my man thank you guys always a pleasure hp thank you thanks for having me thank you everybody have a great great evening and we will see you next time until then Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.